Okay, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. We'll just begin reading. It's a Psalm of David. Verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed the trans- our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him, and His righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye His host, you ministers of His that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so Psalm 103 is not an unfamiliar psalm. You're, you, there are several passages in here, several verses that are going to be uh, very familiar. Um, including the very beginning of this thing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and that all that is within me, bless His holy name. We sing that Scripture song at times, and um, the, the passage on uh, the fact that God is um, has not dealt with us after our sins, and He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west, and very, some familiar uh, verses and passages in here. Uh, you don't have to guess what this psalm is about, or at least thematically what's going on. Uh, this is a psalm where David is um, trying to stir his own soul up to bless the Lord. Uh, this, isn't a, this isn't just David writing about the fact that it might be good to bless the Lord, or David saying it would be a good thing for people to be thankful or acknowledge God's blessings. Uh, David is is calling, not just on himself, but we'll we'll see as we break this up into sections. He is calling on us to stir our own hearts up and our own souls up to bless the Lord. Uh, the question, really, that this psalm is asking is, 
Why should I praise the Lord? Why should you praise the Lord? Should you praise the Lord? Is that something that you should even be thinking about? Why would it be appropriate? If it is something that you should be thinking about, then how do we do this? How is it something that we, we, um, we, we implement? So obviously the answer is yes. Should you be praising the Lord? The answer is yes. Honestly, believer and unbeliever, yes. You should be praising the Lord. Uh, you, if you're an unbeliever, you're still, you've received um, his, his temporal goodness as far as the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There are earthly comforts and pleasures that you've experienced. And where do those come from? Well, every good gift comes from God. So should we bless the Lord? Yes, yes, it's something that ought to be happening. What this psalm does is it really focuses on worship that is built on or focused on the goodness and mercy of God. So God is good every single day. The question is, are we looking for it? God is merciful every single day. And again, the question is, have we taken time to notice? Or, as is easy to do, do we just live thoughtlessly day to day, um, you know, acknowledging most of the inconveniences and most of the bumps in the road, but not even giving a thought to those days that go by where nothing happens. And the reason nothing happens to speak of is because in God's mercies, he's prevented or he's blessed or so forth and so on. So it's a, it's a psalm that would focus in on praise. So number one, first section, verses one through five, this is a personal call to praise. Okay? David is speaking to himself. A personal call to praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So what David is doing here is, is he is speaking to and seeking to stir up his own heart and soul. Now, this is a discipline that every Christian ought to be active in. Okay, There are times in life, more often than not, really, there are times in life where we need to engage our own souls. You've heard me say this before, maybe it's been a while, but one of the things that Christians need to constantly be active in doing is we need to be listening to ourselves less and speaking to ourselves more. Okay? You need to be listening to yourselves less and speaking to yourselves more. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, and, and, and Psalm 103 is a good example of this, I mean that if we're not careful, again, we can get into a cynical, critical um I mean, it could be all kinds of things. It can be a, a personal pity party. Um, it can be uh, things aren't fair. Things ought to be going better. Um, life is hard, so forth, so on. And all those things are true. They can be true anyway. But what do we do whenever 
the fallen world that we live in falls on top of our heads. Well, we've got a couple of options. We can meditate on how hard and horrible and difficult all these circumstances are, and it wouldn't be, wouldn't be false. Or we can try to stir our souls up to thanking God for the blessings that we receive, even in the midst of the difficulties of a fallen world. Okay, so we see another example of this where, where David is engaging his own heart. He's speaking to himself. He's, he's being active. Uh, Psalm, I'm not going to turn there, but you'll know it as soon as I start to, to read the first verse. Psalms 42 and 43, David does the same thing when he asks, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Okay, in that particular set of Psalms, David is just engaging the fact that he's despondent. He's in despair. He's, he's cast down. And rather than just rolling around in this, this word for cast down would be, um, a parallel to what we would call he's just depressed. And instead of just rolling around in that, he's saying, why are you so depressed? Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Not in the sense that he's scolding himself, but in the sense that he's stirring himself up. Why are you disquieted within me? Why are you at, uh, why are you, why is there so much unrest? Hope in God. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we get ourselves in what the Psalms call a tight place, a narrow place to where the blinders are just put on and we can't see a speck of, of spiritual truth, of biblical truth. All we can see is the hopeless doom and gloom and despair. David catches himself here and he says, wait a minute, hope in God. Why? Because I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Again, we're still in Psalm 42, but David's not saying, turn that frown upside down. You ought to feel good here in about two minutes because you've reminded yourself of some truth. But he is anticipating. God has delivered me before and the help of his presence will come again. And so I will praise him for the help of his presence when it comes. So he's, he's, he's engaged in his own struggle. I have here, I've, I've said this already, but part of the life of faith is learning to speak truth to ourselves as we seek to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Um, rather than allowing those thoughts and feelings to run wild and wreak havoc on the disposition of our hearts and souls. We all know what that's like. Okay. We all know what that struggle looks like. And so Psalm uh, 103 is a, is a good example for us on what does it mean to praise God intentionally in times where we have to stir our own souls up. So how does he do it? Well, first he says this. Um, 
After verse 1 of just bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 2, and forget not all His benefits. What's he doing? He's reminding himself of some things that he already knows about God. He already knows that this is the way that God has dealt with me and this is the way that God is dealing with me. Benefit number one, out of verse three, he has forgiven all my sins. He's forgiven all my sins. Okay, things are things can be difficult. The, the pressure can be heavy. But you can't help but bless God if you're reminded of the reality that every sin I've ever committed against Him has been forgiven in Christ. Now, I'm not saying you tell yourself that one time and all of a sudden your disposition changes. I'm saying you begin to remind yourself and rehearse the benefits of the Lord and things begin to get into focus. This little moment of pressure, as real and as difficult as it is, is nothing compared to eternity in hell. He's forgiven me all my sins. He's blessed me, verse 3b, who heals all your diseases. He's blessed me with His, with his healing hand. Okay? There's, there, there are times in life, we all have these times, that's why we pray for people when they're sick, when um, we, we go through difficulties, we have medical um, issues, and you know this heals all thy diseases is it's not to be taken in a literal sense that you'll never get a disease that you're not healed from one of these days, every single one of us will go to the grave because of something, but it is saying that when your diseases are healed, when those sicknesses are healed, they're healed by the hand of the Lord. He may use uh, medical technology to do it. But we've said this before, you can get two people that have the identical, the exact same problem and give them the exact same medication and one may get better and one may die. Right? This, a lot of times is what Sister Brenda was talking about earlier. Medication is, is, is so customized to the person. They've got to find the right thing for the right person. And, and while there is some science that goes behind that, the other thing that goes behind that is there are times when the Lord blesses and there are times where He doesn't. Okay, He heals all your diseases. So He's blessed me with His healing hands. Verse 4, He's redeemed my life from destruction. He's crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies. What does that mean? It means that He's blessed me with His hand of protection. Okay, He's redeemed me. He's bought me out of the slave, slave market of sin. He is putting me back together. He has freely lavished me with His covenant love and His tender mercies. Verse 5, He has satisfied me with good things, both spiritual and material blessings. Brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that this is a silver bullet, but if we take time to add meat to this skeleton... Personally, these are the, these are the ways that God has dealt with me. These are specific ways that the Lord has satisfied me with good things. These are specific ways that God has lavished me with His love, His covenant love and tender mercies. These are specific ways that He's revealed to me that He has, He has guarded me with His hand of protection over the years. 
and the, the ways that He has healed me and my family, the ways that I've been forgiven. You meditate on those very long, you can't help but begin to bless the Lord. Your, your heart begins to be stirred up within you. And even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of pressures, you can't help but have a heart that's ready to thank God for His benefits. Because they're real. They're, they're, they're there. And so it's a stirring up of the heart. So verses one and five, one through five is a, is a personal call to praise. Then you get to verses six through 14 and David is, is extending this out to a, a corporate call to praise. Okay. So this is where we're praising together. It's not just me. It's, it's, it's the household of God. It's not just me. It's not just an individual thing. While we do stir ourselves up as individuals, every single child of God can stir up his or her heart in the same ways, in the same categories that we're talking here. So verse, verses 6 through 14, the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Okay, this is that all, everyone who's oppressed who are his people, his children. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Okay, again, it's this corporate call to praise. Um, this, this reality that God's blessings are on and are available to all of God's people in Christ. So this is part of our fellowship and our communion that we have with one another. So what are these blessings? Well, number one, verses six and seven, we're thinking about God's ways or God's providential care. Okay, He executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Um, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. And so God cares for his people and he lets us know many times the way that he's caring. So most of the time it's, it's after we look back and we say, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand it as I was going through it, but looking back, I can see God's hand in that situation. I can see where God was working and doing something there that I could not see at the time. But now that I look back, I can praise God because I know without a shadow of a doubt He was working in that very painful, difficult, scary, pressure-filled situation. And I'm just going to praise Him because in His providence, He was doing something I didn't know about. And now He's opened my eyes to that reality. I can see it. Um, so it's blessing God. Again, giving thanks. Blessing His name. Praising His name because of His providential care. Verses 8 through 14, it's, it's blessing God's 
name or, 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 or blessing, giving thanks to the Lord because of his disposition toward his people. That's what 8 through 14 really kind of lays out for us. It's a reiteration of Exodus 34, 6 and 7, whenever the Lord um, showed himself to Moses and then he, he, all right, he doesn't quote, but the psalmist quotes uh, verses 6 and 7 with, uh, in verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. And so what is it that we learn about the Lord's disposition toward his people? Well, number one, the Lord is, verse 8, merciful and gracious. Aren't you thankful for that? He's a merciful God. He's been merciful every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every year of your life. His disposition toward you has been mercy. It's been grace. There are times in our lives where we realize I'm in need of that grace and I'm in need of that mercy. But brothers and sisters, whether you realize you are in need of it or not, God's disposition toward you has always been one of mercy. Bless the Lord. We keep going. He is slow to anger. He's patient. Aren't you thankful for God's patience? The fact that God doesn't easily become angered, or maybe I should say quickly express His anger toward His children. He's patient with us. He's, he's plenteous in mercy, the text says. It means there's, there's, there's more than you can imagine in God's reserve tank of mercy. says he will not always chide or he will not always accuse. He will not always accuse us or keep his anger. Now, we know a whole lot more about that on this side of the cross than David did. What does it mean that he will not always accuse? He will not always keep his anger. Well, Romans 8 33 and 34, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He will not always accuse us. Why? Because it's Christ who died for us who ever lives at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. What does that mean? That means that the only thing, I mean, we're speaking in, in, in human language here, but if, if God were ever tempted to accuse us, all He has to do is look over to His right hand and see the payment that His Son made for our sin. And then hear our advocate make intercession on our behalf. And David says, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I, I, I am a sinner. I am one who rightfully, if God were to view me outside of the work of Christ, He could accuse me all day, every day. But my intercessor is at the right hand of the Father. And it's not as if He's pretending 
All the wrath that should have fallen upon my head fell upon Christ. And so the accusations have stopped. The anger, the wrath has been quenched. So David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is a reality. It's not just something that is, you know, makes for a good sermon or, 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 or something that we can um, think about or talk about whenever we're um, in a church setting. This is a reality. This really happened to me, for me. He goes on to elaborate. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us after our sins or according to our iniquities. He has not dealt with us after our sins or according to our iniquities. You know what that means? That means when you're going through a hard time in life and you're wondering, is God punishing me for something? The answer is no. There's a difference between punishment and discipline. Discipline leads to growth in fruits of righteousness. Punishment is I'm mad at you and so I'm going to take it out on you. So there are times in life where we go through difficulties and the question nags and you ask yourself maybe, why does that question linger? Well, for one, Satan is the accuser who is always barking in your ear. And he will take advantage of anything he can. And one of his favorite tactics is to try to convince you when you're going through a difficult time, it's because God's punishing you. And here's another one of his favorites. If you can figure out what it is that he's punishing you for and correct it, then he'll stop. Now, again, discipline is is administered so that we grow. It's not administered over some kind of a secret, something that God's playing a weird game to try to help us figure out what's going on so that he can bless us after he's, you know, spanked us. He has, this is, a, this is something we need to get settled in our hearts and in our heads. He has not dealt with us after our iniquities. He has not um, rewarded us according to our sin. That's not the way God works. And in fact, we could we could put the positive spin on that and say, He has dealt with you according to Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness. That's how He's dealt with you. He's dealt with you as if you never committed a single sin. Isn't that something? It's what it means to be covered in the righteousness of Christ. And so David, again, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's just too good to be true. He's not dealt with us after our sins, according to our iniquities. Again, the discipline is to grow us into Christ's likeness. That's part of our salvation. That's not a deviation from our salvation. So that's good. Right, then he goes on, um, verse, verses 11 and 12. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Okay. Two things here. Number one, out of verse 11, the amount of mercy that God demonstrates toward his people is unfathomable. As high as the heavens is from there. How, how, how high is that? I don't know. Who knows? 
The, the point here is not let's, let's figure out in, in, in feet or miles or whatever. The point is you couldn't fathom it if you wanted to. It's so great. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a humongous reserve of mercy that you couldn't comprehend it even if you could measure it. And then, He has removed your transgressions as far as possible from your account. As far as the east is from the west. You've you've heard this before probably, but if you haven't, uh, you know how this works. If If you're going east, you could circle the globe ten times and you're always going east. Okay, Or if you're going west... You could circle the globe ten times and you're always going west. So if you're trying to put a distance between something that's as far as the east is from the west, it's talking about this infinite gulf. They never cross. They never meet each other. You're either going one way or the other. The point here is that the Lord has removed your sins as far as He possibly could from you in Christ. Okay, again, we start to think through these things. We start to meditate on these things, even a few of them. And we begin to stir our hearts up to bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, this, this particularly works whenever you start to get specific about known sins in your personal time with the Lord. Things that bring great guilt and shame whenever you think about those things. There are things where we think, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I would think that. I can't believe whatever. And then you insert, well, you know what? As much as I can't believe it, I am so thankful God has removed that as far as the east is from the west so that whenever he looks at me, he does not see that. That's not part of my story as far as what God sees because I've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to wallow around in guilt and shame and regret. Repentance, yes, but I don't have to carry around all that baggage. Why? Because it's been removed. He would also say in another place that He's thrown our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, whenever He sees us, those things don't even come to His mind anymore. And then the last one in this section... Verses 13 and 14, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. This is a a beautiful passage. The Lord relates to us. His stance toward us is a stance of tender mercy toward our weaknesses and our frailties. Those of you who have children know exactly what's being communicated here. As a father pities his child, is merciful. The word pity and mercy, those are synonyms. Right? The disposition there is one of tender love and care, which is, again, loving kindness. That's just another translation of the same word we use for mercy. Hesed, God's covenant love. Our weaknesses and our frailties, they don't put God off. They don't make Him upset from the standpoint that He's just done with us. He's tired of us. That's not it. We're His children. He's our Father. He's patient. He's persistent. 
He's loving. He's gentle. He's tender. He's kind. So what do we do with that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's not overbearing. He's not um, uh, short-fused. He knows our frames are but dust. You know, one of the things I, I think about when I, I read that is there are so many times that we get ourselves in some real seasons of inward turmoil because we won't acknowledge what God already knows. And that is, we are frail. Our frames are dust. The psalmist says, God knows that. One of the questions is, do you know that about you? Do you think God is surprised at, that God is as surprised at your failings as you are? The answer is no, obviously, theologically. All right, so a corporate call to praise. We can all praise for these, these reasons or, or bless the Lord. All right, we'll move through the last two fairly quickly here. Now we have this eternal call to praise, verses 15 through 19. Okay, as for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the pace thereof shall know it no more. Um, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto the children's children, to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. All right, verses 15 and 16, he's just saying our earthly lives here are temporary. In a poetic way, he's just saying you're here for a short time, your life is but a vapor, and you will die. We will all do that if the Lord tarries. So while your earthly lives are temporary, verse 17 is, but His mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. You know what that means? It means that God's mercies, God's covenant love will outlive your earthly life. You may die, but His love for you will not. It's from everlasting to everlasting. We talked about this a minute ago when we talked about God's mercy and His, His grace toward us. He's been His stance toward us from all eternity. Before you were ever born, before your great-great-great-grandparents were ever born, His love and His mercy were upon you. And then we live this short vapor of a life to where we are able to um, come to know that through being brought into uh, relationship with Christ and, and our eyes are open to these eternal realities. And one of the things that the psalmist is emphasizing here is that you can't outlive God's love. God's love was there before you and God's love for you will be there after you're dead and gone. And it's not just for you, it's for His children. All of His children. It says all those who, who keep the covenant. Well, on this side of the cross, we're saying all those who were involved or all those who were in Christ, whenever Christ sealed the covenant with His blood, God's mercies, God's love, God's grace never runs out for them. 
And so we'll be praising God for his love, really from all, for all eternity, because it never ends. His kingdom, verse 19, it says, The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. It's just an, I think it's just another way in, in context here of saying what, what Paul says in Romans 8. What can separate you from the love of God? What's going to get in the way? Psalm 23 has already told us he prepares a table for us even in the midst of our enemies. That is nothing can keep God's love and God's provisions from getting to God's people. He says it this way. His, his kingdom and his rule is over all. Nothing can hinder his loving kindness, his covenant love toward his people. And then he ends with what we'll call a, a universal call to praise. So he just keeps getting bigger here, uh, but he's going he's gonna to circle back around in just a second. So verses 20 and 22, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Okay, so he's, he's calling the heavenly beings to praise God. To praise the Lord for who He is. What's going on here? Well, in some ways, 20 and 21 and, and, and 22, really 20 and 21 are kind of Kind of, I don't know if you would call them strange, but they kind of seem out of place except for he's just calling people to bless. Bless the Lord, ye angels, ministers. Okay, same thing. Well, I think what the psalmist is doing here is he's, he's calling these angels to praise God to remind himself that the Lord is worthy of praise all creation. Okay, the angels weren't redeemed. They've known nothing but an unhindered relationship with the Lord since the time they were created. And you'll also notice how this psalm ends. Okay, Bless the Lord, you angels. Uh, Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers. Bless the Lord, verse 22, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, what? Oh, my soul. If it's appropriate for the angels to be blessing the Lord, then surely it's appropriate for me. If it's appropriate for um, God's people in all ages to be blessing God for His eternal mercies and love, then surely it's appropriate for me. If it's appropriate for God's people who gather together to corporately bless the Lord for the shared benefits that we have received in Christ, then surely it's appropriate that I would bless God. And so bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all His benefits. Psalm 103. Psalm that reminds us and also illustrates for us, models for us, what does it mean for me to engage my soul and to try to stir my heart up to blessing and praising God. Let's pray. Father, Uh, We do bless your name tonight. We do that corporately. Lord, we can identify with uh, the themes of this psalm, the benefits of this psalm. Lord, you have removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. You have lavished us with your loving kindness. You've given us so many good gifts. Lord, you have um, blessed us um, 
above and beyond what we could have ever possibly expected had we known just how sinful we really were in our state of um, of, of unregeneracy, not being able to see, not being able to comprehend what sin was. Uh, Lord, we bless you tonight and we pray that you would bless us to make a discipline of engaging our hearts, engaging our own souls, that we would be stirred up to bless you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.